The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's the Ellis Martin Report. Is it strange that companies featured on this program have given us cash money to be portrayed here? No way. They want you to know what's going on. Some of the analyst segments are sponsored as well. Catch us on the web at ellismartinreport.com. Here's the host of the Ellis Martin Report, Ellis Martin. On today's program, I'll speak with Michael Scarry, an investor with Success Holding Group International, trading on the OTCQB under the symbol SHGT. SHGT is founded by Steve Chen, Asia's number one motivational speaker with over 85 million followers, generating over $60 million in gross revenues alone yearly. In addition to that, SHGT has a health drink called 888, which by the end of the year is purported to be in 50,000 convenience stores and supermarkets across China. With further interest in filmmaking, advertising, and social media, SHGT is potentially positioning itself to be the number one U.S. publicly traded concern out of Taiwan and China. I'll also speak with Brad Thompson, the president of Oncolytics Biotech International, trading in the U.S. under the symbol ONCY. Oncolytics Biotech is doing important research using Reolysin, a proprietary technology, a virus if you will, that attacks cancer cells leaving surrounding cells and tissues intact. We'll hear all about this revolutionary technology and its potential uses possibly helpful in saving and or prolonging life. I recently had the opportunity to visit with mining, metals and money analyst David Morgan at a secret lair in eastern Washington state. We discussed revolutionary technology that brings the mill to the mine site, a potential company saver for junior miners. And finally, longtime friend and speaker Bob Lang shares his thoughts and philosophies regarding personal productivity. Let's begin the Ellis Martin Report. I'm Ellis Martin. Success Holding Group International trades on the -the over-the-counter bulletin board under the symbol SHGT. SHGT was formed based on the philosophy and business strategies of Steve Chen, Asia's number one motivational speaker with over 80 million followers. Today I'm speaking with Michael Scarry, a shareholder with SHGT. Mike, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Ellis. It's always a privilege. Let's discuss the business of motivational speaking and how lucrative it really is because I think most people don't really understand the money involved. With regard to Steve Chen and Success Holding, last quarter of 2014, the company grossed $17.9 million, and that's just in one quarter with a net of $5.7 million approximately. Mike, why is motivational speaking so lucrative, and why is it so big in China along with Steve Chen? It's big everywhere. I mean, he's a disciple of Tony Robbins, and he has a huge following. I mean, he's got a hardcore following of 30 million people and another 55 million that buy his books, records, DVDs and his shows. Each show he grosses out at about a million dollars and he does over 60 a year. So as you can tell, that's a pretty lucrative business. Now you have followed him around in Taiwan and China. What's that experience like? He needs eight bodyguards. I mean, he's like a rock star over there. Start mobbing me a couple of times. I've had security get me out of there a couple of times. We actually get inside the velvet rope so that the masses have to stay away from us. It's freaky and I know it scares him too. You know, to see a guy come into 
of the stadium with eight bodyguards, they still have trouble doing it. So it, it's mayhem. You know, they're totally excited to see him. They fly in from all over. And I mean, in China, it costs about 5,000 US to go see one of his shows. And, you know, that's a lot of money over there. That's about 40 or 50,000 RMB in, in China. So he has a very dedicated following and it, it's quite the scene to see. Now, what's interesting about Steve Chen, and I had a chance to meet with him recently in Beverly Hills, is that we talked about the business of motivational speaking and how in his lectures he's speaking in many cases to people that are interested in growing their own business. It's not important just enough to improve your life, but you want to do that in a way that's fairly lucrative. Can we talk about that, Mike? The big thing about it is companies come to him to do retreats, to teach their management. It's a skill. Any of us that are self-employed understand what the dedication it takes to be a successful business person. And Steve Chen brings that motivation to them and he inspires them to be big entrepreneurs over in China. And it actually works in a dual fold for the company and that the people that he's teaching are now upper management and owners of their own companies. And this is turning around and that's why the company is so diversified. He is now doing deals with those companies and to make SHGT a much bigger company. So basically the purpose for taking S. HGT public is to acquire more ancillary concerns. In broad strokes, that's exactly what it is. Steve's been doing these motivational speaking for 27 years and he's come up with contact after contact and they're all very influential people. I mean, some of his students are actually richer than he is, which is hard to believe, but they are. And so now he's bringing it and putting it into a nice little package and putting a bow around it. All the accumulation of 27 years of work and now he's bringing all that to SHGT one at a time. There'll be a lot more interesting things coming into SHGT over the next few years as they have the money to acquire them or some of it will even be given to the company in exchange for the Steve services. What I find fascinating is the scope of money involved with motivational speaking and it's a driving force and also the fact that this particular company, it's not a penny stock. It's a company that's trading uh, between uh, 6 and $8 right now and it's an opportunity with Steve and the board of directors of SHGT and I'm sure yourself as an investor to put someone like Jack Bond in the sights, really, as a goal to surpass. Let's discuss that. Steven has actually coached Jack Ma on national TV over there in China, and I know it is his goal and his personal goal to become the number one company in all of China, and I think he is, if anybody can do it, it, it is Steve Chen. I mean, he is motivationally inspired, and he has the connections all over the world, not just in China, in which to do this. The company is expected to be trading on the NASDAQ later this year. I heard from the company yesterday that we're they're actually anticipating there's a very good opportunity that we will be trading on Frankfurt next week. The company is moving forward and yes, the, the ultimate goal is for this company to be the number one company in all of Asia. So we're talking about potentially now hundreds of million dollars in revenue, perhaps over the next five years, each year. I think they will be actually be a billion dollar company within two to three years. I know there's uh, plenty of things going on and just the 888 drink alone, and they, they're anticipating hundreds of millions of dollars just from the 888 drink, never mind the seminars and the O2O or the uh, offline to online. They're just starting now and as well as their inspirational movies. So they think this year they will exceed 100 million probably this year. And I think within a two to three years, they will probably exceed $1 billion a year. Now you mentioned the 888 drink. And when I think of drinks here, I'm thinking about Red Bull, which is something I use when driving on the 
Road or perhaps Rockstar, one of these other drinks. Now, I know Steve is very, very, very health conscious. And the 888 drink is something that's available now in about 9,000 stores in Shanghai alone. And by the end of the year, about 50,000 convenience stores, supermarkets, what have you in China. And this drink should be pervade on the shelves next to anything else that anyone wants to buy. Perhaps at the checkout point, it's a drink that's actually really, really good for you isn't it? Yeah, I've drank it, several of them myself. I mean, they are a health drink. It's made from black rice, which only grows in the high mountains of China. And it is a dietary drink as well as a nutritional drink. So it can be used as meal replacement. And as I say, I mean, I'm diabetic and it can help out with the diabetes as, as I say, because it's a much more nutritional drink than those other ones you're talking about. I mean, they're all caffeine and sugar. This has no caffeine or sugar in it. It does have a sugar supplement just to make it taste a little better. But I find it tastes better cold, but you can drink it cold or warm, either one. But it's not being purveyed necessarily as a specialty health drink. This is a mainstream drink that everyone essentially is going to become very, very familiar with if they're not already familiar with. Oh yeah, there's a huge IR campaign getting prepared in China. They've already started shooting commercials. It's going to be one of those products that's going to be splashed everywhere. And yes, it is a meal replacement or as well as a health supplement. So it fits into both those categories. And they, I know they plan on doing a major IR campaign on the news, radio, TV in the way of commercials and they're going to get word out there. It's already selling quite nicely but I think once Steve Chen puts his face up there on the with the 888 drink, you will see sales start to skyrocket. And right now they're putting the money into the product and once they've got the cash flow is a little better and they've done a funding then they're going to start doing the major IR campaign over there. What's additionally interesting about this particular drink and the media campaign that you're referring to is they're going to be using smart phone technology to get the word out and a phenomenon called WeChat, which is really a step above applications such as Viber or WhatsApp. Why don't you tell us about that and the team ready to really spread the word on everybody's smartphones, which is how I get a lot of my information, Mike. You know, it's a phenomenon. The first time I went to China, I was like, you know, what's WeChat? Everybody looked at me like I was crazy. I mean, everybody over in China and Asia uses WeChat and SHGT has uh, four phone rooms. Each one has 500 people in it, so they've already hired 2,000 people and all they do on their smartphones is send out messages to the clients. They've got the 85 million already from Steve Chen's seminars and his followers, so they've already got an 85 million people following them. They anticipate they'll be up over 100 million people this year and 200 million people next year and they will be selling eat eat drinks as well as many other products over there. But I mean, everybody in Asia has got WeChat. I'm just signing up myself to get on WeChat because uh, everybody in China says they can't contact me if, if I'm not on WeChat. So yeah, it's a big phenomenon over there. And by the end of this year, they should have over 100 million followers. And they send out 100 million texts every month to the followers of Steve Chen. Now, you know, this is an investment-based program of which SHGT is a sponsor of. But let's get to the bottom line here. There are many, 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 many opportunities to win or lose with regard to the stock market. I'm going to ask you directly, Mike, why should our audience specifically consider SHGT over perhaps many other potential opportunities for them to invest in? Well, I mean, I think the only place you can find value these days in the stocks is in the -the over-the-counter markets. Of those over-the-counter market companies that are highly undervalued, SHGT is probably one of just a handful or two that is actually profitable. I mean, the company last year made, I think, nine cents a share earnings just in the last quarter, and they're anticipating this year to earn somewhere between 50 and a dollar a share in earnings. 
and two to three dollars a share earnings for next year the numbers that they're throwing around right now so for one thing if you've got a profitable company especially one with this huge upside is this i mean you just can't get anything better on the otc market you know i think the stock is highly undervalued where it is and i think over the next year you're going to see a significant rise in price well mike it's been a pleasure to speak with you again today thank you so much for joining us on the program we look forward to further discussions with you in the future about shgt thanks ellis it's always a pleasure and i enjoy your show I've been speaking with Michael Scarry, a shareholder with SHGT, Success Holding Group International. Just search the symbol SHGT and find a link to their website on the homepage of ours, ellismartinreport.com. Join me for a conversation with Dr. Brad Thompson. President and CEO of Oncolytics Biotech Incorporated. Trading on the NASDAQ exchange as ONCY and on the TSX as ONC. Oncolytics Biotech is a biotechnology company focused on the development of oncolytic viruses as potential therapeutics for use in a broad range of cancers. The company is conducting clinical studies using Reolysin, its proprietary formulation of the human reovirus, and some of the most prevalent forms of the disease, including lung, colorectal, and pancreatic cancers. Brad, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you very much. Now, if you wouldn't mind, give us a summary on Oncolytics Biotech. Oncolytics Biotech is a company focused solely on treatment of cancers. And the technology that we're using is to use a live agent, in this case, a virus that is naturally oncolytic, which all it means is it will infect as a virus, will infect cells that are tumors and, and or cancer bearing and kill them, and also causes a secondary immune response. And so what you've got is an agent that actually will address potentially you know, cancers in people. That program has been going on for a while now. We've treated over 1,100 patients in various clinical studies with 13 different cancers. We're actually moving into the very you know, last stages of clinical development right now in a number of indications. It's a very exciting technology. It's certainly very timely. We have colleague companies that are moving along with different viruses and looking at different cancers at the same time as us. And as a group, I think it's one of those technologies that people are going to look back in five or 10 years and go, wow, there's a number of different cancers being treated with these viruses. And so it's something certainly to look forward to. You just announced your financial results and operational highlights for the quarter ending March 31st, 2015. Let's review those financials because they're particularly interesting to shareholders and potential shareholders. Well, of course, financial resources are the lifeblood of any biotechnology company. I mean, the vast majority of the industry runs off its cash reserves as it's going towards product approvals. We came out of 2014 with just a little over a year of cash on hand. And after our first quarter was over in 2015, we have a little over two years of cash in hand and having funded the quarter as well. And we've done that through a couple of different financial instruments. But it's just very important to maintain that cash financing horizon uh, out that period of time. And we're very satisfied with that result. Now, down the road, of course, investors want to know what the revenue stream is going to look like. How are you addressing those questions? In oncology anyway, one typically looks at each cancer separately and generates a potential cash flow stream from a potential market penetration and market size. And so, for example, if you were looking at pancreatic cancer, there's about 40,000 new cases a year in the United States. 35 or 36,000 of those cases will die within a year of diagnosis. So when one's looking at, for example, assessing the pancreatic cancer market for our potential product, one looks at the genetic basis for the patients that could be potentially treated. So you're looking around two-thirds of that 40,000. You do a realistic assessment of what kind of market penetration you would get 
let's say 10 or 20 percent, and you come up with a number that's probably around eight or 10,000 patients a year could be treated with real license times a typical $100,000 for a treatment course of, for these new age biologics. And that gives you a, you know, a marketing number that people can back out on a time discounted basis. And you repeat as necessary. If your agent like ours is active apparently in more than one cancer, then you just stack that up. And that's how the analysts build up the financing models for those sorts of things. The absolute key number for people is when that first marketing approval comes. That's marks the transition from a cash burning entity like we are now and like everybody pretty much is to a profitable entity. That's a significant milestone. And we will be letting people know and letting our investors know what our registration pathway is and what that timeline is in the very near future. Oh, fantastic. So we can look forward to updates as they're happening, correct? Absolutely. Probably the most important piece of information that we get asked by our shareholders is what is the timeline to finish and what is the path to the finish? So we've been spending a great deal of time with regulators, both here in North America and over in Europe, with key opinion leaders, clinicians, investors coming up with a registration plan. And that's probably the most eagerly anticipated piece of information about oncolytics that I could say. So there are several revenue streams that we can look forward to potentially. Absolutely. This agent is real license, the one we're under development, appears to be active against a percentage of all cancers that have solid tumor cancer. And it's a pretty consistent percentage, sort of 60, 65%. You can demonstrate some kind of activity, either tumor regression or lifespan extension. It appears as if real license is active against around two thirds of any solid tumor cancer. So in any population with solid tumors, say prostate or breast or colorectal or lung to some degree. Each one of those actually represents a separate marketing opportunity and a separate patient population for us to treat. You were quoted in the recent news release saying in the first quarter, we obtained orphan drug designation from the US FDA and the EMA in Europe for a number of different indications, which will support future developments of realicin. Now, before the interview, you were telling me about gastric cancer and how this is specifically appropriate for that particular type of cancer. Would you elaborate on that, please? Well, some cancers are fairly uncommon, if you want to think of it that way. So cancers like fallopian tube cancer, it's very rare, it's, you know, less than 10,000 patients a year every year in the United States. Gastric cancers are fairly rare. In large number sense, things like pancreatic cancer is fairly rare, but they are all life-threatening diseases. And so the orphan drug program at the FDA and the orphan program, which is similar but not the same in Europe at the EMA, provide a structure that allows companies to spend the development dollars and the time and energy required to develop products for these rarish diseases, and in our case, rarish cancers. We have embarked upon a program to take a look at the cancers that we think are most likely reasonably treatable with real license that are also rare. And as a result of that, we filed a number of orphan drug applications, both in Europe and in the United States. So we got pancreatic cancer, orphan drug designation in the United States, and in Europe, we got ovarian cancer and its associated cancers, fallopian tube and primary peritoneal in the United States and in Europe. And separately in the United States, we filed for pediatric glioblastoma or gliomas, which is, you know, children with glioblastoma. And the FDA was kind enough to widen that out to all glioblastomas for us. Gastric cancer is a very interesting cancer. And it's one of those cancers that goes from being very treatable, sort of like melanoma. If you get melanoma early, it's very treatable to very untreatable, i.e. it's a very serious disease. Very quickly, 
quickly, almost within days or weeks. And so if you catch it early, you can treat it. And if you catch it late, it is life-threatening. So we've had a particular interest in this. We've had a number of patients in not specific gastric cancer studies, but gastric cancer patients in general studies that have all responded well to real license therapy. And so we thought we'd take the opportunity to draw a circle around it and place some emphasis on it and allow us to actually get in to treat this fairly rare cancer that has very serious consequences. Now, you're not a Johnny-come-lately CEO at all. Let's review your background as well as your passion for cancer treatment and a business model that makes sense for the company and your shareholders. Those two things are important, linked together. Absolutely. My education, I'm a microbiologist. I have my PhDs in microbiology and immunology, and I was happily working along on in an infectious disease company I founded and had been doing that for five or six years. And I had some personal experiences with cancer. I had cancer and uh, my mom and my favorite uncle both died of cancer all within a very short period of time. And this very interesting technology walked through the door from the University of Calgary here in Calgary. Iris, was my background in infectious disease microbiology and treated cancer. So we formed a company around that technology and got working on that. So I've been a public company CEO since 1994, both in NASDAQ and TSX companies in the previous company and then in Oncolytics, which makes me fairly long in the tooth in Canada for this business. But this is possibly the most exciting area to be in at this time I, I can think of in biotechnology. We've got a technology that's actually showing, I think, a great deal of promise. And at the same time, we're seeing all these developments in oncology that mesh in very well with what we do, but are just moving the treatment of cancer ahead. Like it's a once in a generation leap forward in the treatment of cancer. And there's two specific elements for that. One is diagnosis. We're actually getting much, much better at being able to tell people the genetic basis of their cancers, which products should work because we know the genetics before they're even treated and diagnosing patients earlier and earlier and earlier. And at the same time, all these developments in harnessing the, the human being's own immune system in helping treat cancer, those two things together have just completely changed the landscape of cancer therapy. So it's the best place to be in oncology at this time. And for us, having a technology that fits in with all that perfectly, it's the best place for us to be as a company. It's a lot of fun right now, and it's very exciting. And I think we're on the verge as an industry and as a company of helping out a lot of people with cancer. Speaking of which, we're getting a lot of positive response since you began with us on the program. And I'm sure there are many in our audience that either are afflicted with cancer, they have friends or relatives that are afflicted as well, and they're thinking, how can I get involved? How can I become involved in a clinical trial? I'm sure you feel these types of calls on a regular basis. We actually get quite a few calls asking asking about the technology and depending on where they're calling from, in this case, talking about the United States, one can access already existing clinical trials just by going to clinicaltrials.gov and looking into real lysin or real virus and you'll actually come up with a list of clinical studies and different indications. For example, we're about to start enrolling in a pediatric glioma study, so children's brain cancer study. Once that's up on clinicaltrials.gov, people can actually have the contact details, talk to the investigator at the site where it's been treating patients and actually see if they can get themselves, their friends, their families enrolled. And that's just one example. If there isn't a clinical study, a much lower possibility is to get a special access type of a process going. But that is a very rare occurrence for us in the United States. We do a lot more of that in Canada. The system is just different, just an easier process to go through to get patients treated outside of clinical programs. But both avenues are available in the United States. Well, Brad, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for joining us today in the program. Look forward to having a chat with you soon. Great. Thank you very much. I've been speaking with Dr. Brad Thompson, the CEO and President of Oncolytics Biotech Incorporated, trading on the NASDAQ Exchange as ONCY and on the TSX as ONC. Find a link to their website on the homepage of our website, ellismartreport.com. 
and download the entire program on iTunes. We offer expert opinions only. Find them on our website, ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. The following segment is sponsored by Wellgreen Platinum, trading in the U.S.'s WGPLF and on the TSX's WG. Located in the Yukon Territory, Canada, the Wellgreen Project has the potential to become one of the world's largest and lowest-cost open-pit producers of platinum group metals and nickel. Find them on the web at wellgreenplatinum.com. David Morgan is an expert on silver, gold, and precious metals investments. He's a world-renowned lecturer appearing on CNBC and the Fox Business Channel. He's an author having penned Get the Skinny on Silver Investing. And Mr. Morgan is a regular contributor and friend of the Ellis Martin Report. I'm Ellis Martin. In this segment, I visited with the silver guru, David Morgan, in eastern Washington state, not too far from the Silver Valley. We had a peaceful get-together on the back 40, and then this conversation. David, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me out to your personal Ponderosa here in Washington State. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Ellis, and uh, thanks for coming out. You've been here once before, I think, or maybe twice. Yeah, it's kind of fun to see you in, literally in my backyard and be able to do an interview face-to-face. It's very cool, and it's very peaceful out here, and I'm enjoying myself and not anxious to get back home anytime soon, but I know you're going to kick me out after a while. But anyway, I digress. David, you and I could go back and forth, as we usually do, and, and talk about the mining sector and, and gold and silver, and there's certainly... A, a lot to talk about or perhaps nothing to talk about, but uh, I need to ask you, what's on top of your plate right now? What piques your interest when eyes are off of the sector at the moment? Well, I think I'll address the sector. When off the sector, I have other interests and you know a lot of them since we're friends, but you know, I have to mention the gold smash and the silver smash that took place recently. And in fact, I'm writing the editorial for the Morgan Report started this morning, going through all the ups and downs and why the metals prices are where they are and how they got there and why it's not over and all of that. So I just briefly state that price is not reflective of the quality of the asset and the gold run will begin. Silver will come along with it. And I do still expect that to happen probably in the fall of this year. But as we did a little pre-interview, you know, we always look for opportunities in the resource sector and we have one that we've been following for more than a year. No one on our service knows about it except for our mastermind group. The main function of the mastermind group is not to put out high risk, high speculative companies at an early stage, which we do do from time to time, but it's mostly to get like the most beneficial information from all sources for the mastermind group, meaning that we get private interviews with some of the better knowns in the industry and insights that they probably wouldn't get anywhere else. But from time to time, we do see opportunities that are available for that would be the liking of say a fund manager or an accredited investor or something along those lines that we will of course put out to that group. And we have done that with this company. But we've been following the story, as I said, for over a year. And it really is almost more of a technology stock than a mining stock. In fact, there is somebody that's in the newsletter industry that's extremely well known. And he spent some time with the CEO of the company, which we both know, and said this was a real game changer. This is going to be instrumental in the mining sector. I believe the same. I don't want to put words in somebody's mouth, but I do want to kind of give a heads up to those that listen to this program because it's something that we will be featuring in the Morgan Report once we make our boots on the ground. And it's going to be everybody. And normally on a mining visit, it's me and maybe one other person or maybe two people at the most. This time we're taking everybody. It's going to be my webmaster, both analysts, 
Thomas and myself, so will be four of us minimum on this project. And the project is very environmentally friendly. And it's a mining project. Yeah, what I call it, I mean, they may have a different wording for it, but the essence is it's a self-contained mobile mining unit. And this is something that, again, could be, and I think will be, a game changer. Because let's do a quick example. The pilot project that we're going to go visit here probably within the next month or so is in one of the 50 states of the Union. And it's... uh, That narrows it down, by the way. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not trying to give out too much. And basically, it's for a project, I'll say project, not a mine because a lot of these situations are not mines yet and you can roll this thing on it's the size of like a large rv and it's modular and you can roll this thing on and go to like say the tailings that are there that already exist and basically the only manual labor is putting the rock into the hopper and after that the process starts and it starts to crush the rock and water through it and grind it and get it down into what we call ore grade. And it's very efficient. In fact, on the environmental side, if you just look at the abilities project has, it has reduced water consumption because all the water is self-contained. So that's a big feat for a lot of projects is where do we get the water from? So the unit shows up with its own water it's supply? It's got its own water supply and it comes out at the end basically cleaner than most water you'll find anywhere. I mean, yeah. it's very clean. There is some some uh, usage, in other words, it doesn't recover 100%, covers like in the 90-something percent. I want to give a number that's inaccurate. I think it's really high, like 96% or something, but you might have to add a little water, but that's something you could do with a pickup truck. The discharges are basically self-contained. It accelerates the permitting process because you really don't have to have a permit when it's all self-contained. So if you're, let's say, let's just back off a little bit and say you've got a project, you need financing, you need to get funds. You're in the bottom of the market, which you are right now. You know it's good, and you basically are kind of out of luck. Well, this appears, this mobile mining unit, and you roll it on, and you start these tailings that you already have on the property, and you start to recover gold and silver out of this. Or you could do other metals, but primarily it's built for the precious metals. But you can tweak the circuit for other metals if you want to. And there's no toxic chemicals required. There's no tailings pond involved. It's got an extremely small environmental footprint. And there's basically no infrastructure required. I mean, you basically drive this thing on, not the cat to go get the tailings and throw them up into the hopper, as I said earlier. So that's it. And it optimizes the yield of the gold-bearing material, speaking gold in this case. The effective recoveries go through several processes. One, just the basic gravity device, which is one of the first rounds. And it reduces a lot of the workload. And again, the permitting, the efficiencies are quite high. The recoveries are quite good. Very economical. So again, I keep reaching back. But if you're a project owner and you start to get gold out of these tailings and do a split with this company, let's say for talking purposes of 50-50 basis, and all of a sudden you've produced you know, $2 million worth of gold over, say, a six-month time frame or $1 million. Just making up numbers. The numbers aren't that important. They're important, but it's the idea. But you don't have to dilute your shareholders because you have on-site this material that you have now refined and are able to sell at the marketplace, and there's no dilution in shares. So you don't look for financing. Your financing is on your project. So I want to be very, very clear here. First of all, we want to really wade through the entire 
thing. The pilot plant's working quite well. I've got movies of it. But we're going to get boots on the ground. We're going to examine it. We're going to take our own film crew, which we do. You know, our premium service, as you well know, Ellis, is an advantage you have for the Morgan Report that you usually don't have at some other companies, which means you get to go along with us on some of these property visits. And you get to see it live and in person, just sitting at your computer and playing the film. So after our due diligence, we're probably going to write it up. Does that mean we're going to write it up in the August report? No. Probably September, October, November, I don't know, probably within the next three months, if and only if it passes our due diligence. But it's one of those things that is very exciting, especially during the doldrums that we're in right now. Going back in time, things are supposed to be kind of at the level they're at right now a year ago. And uh, you know, I'm old enough and have enough gray hair and been around the industry long enough to know that things never go as easily as they do on paper. And once you put, implement them, there's always bugs to work out and problems and things don't match right. And there's things that need to be accomplished before you get it optimized. But that's what's happening now. But being able to unlock the value of a small deposit, again, this wouldn't work for a new mine. It wouldn't work for Agnico Eagle. It's working for the small properties that have assets that they are well known. And again, the tailings is the best example. That's the one that we're using for this pilot situation. By the way, I do own shares. I was involved with the private placement. And once we write it up, there'll be the opportunity for Morgan Report subscribers to get on board at a lower price. At least currently, it's a lower price than what I paid for on the financing. That's quite typical today with the problems in our sector being low prices followed by lower prices followed by even lower prices. So I don't mind that. That doesn't bother me at all. I feel somewhat remiss to our mastermind people, but they understand the risks involved. But it unlocks the value from a small deposit, accelerates cash flow significantly because most of these type of projects would never be able to get the finances they need to make a profitable business at this point in the industry. Well, it's been that way for a long time in the mining sector from the junior market anyway because to attempt to raise money to bring the order market has always been an issue and it's dependent on fund managers and institutions and, and that's never been free-flowing not in the last few years and it's impossible now and one of the things about energy companies if you've, if you've got oil wells and they're producing oil that's immediate money you don't have to go to market for this so essentially this particular device this machinery affords a way for a company with no budget to generate cash flow right away. Absolutely. No, well said. And more succinctly than yours truly. Again, it's low capital expenditure required for each selected project. The portable units can be removed from the project and redeployed at any time. Of course, you have to have the right kind of property. You can't just say, oh, I know it's there and start throwing dirt in the hopper and expect to get gold out of it. Well, who's doing the due diligence? Because I imagine this this technology company, they're risking the equity by bringing this equipment in. There's cost involved with that. Are their engineers doing the due diligence on the property? The company's engineers, the geologists have to provide the data? I'm curious. Yeah, exactly. There's a team that will go in and evaluate the project before they send the machine in there and make a pretty good look, if you will, at what they have, where it is, how accessible it is. This thing could go almost anywhere and then just take it from there and then it's seen as believing. So for this particular pilot project, again, I think it's a 50-50 split. So all the gold that's refined that goes into ore and is sold on the market, half goes to the company and half goes to this company that I'm talking about. And that's a, a pretty fair deal for both parties. According to the CEO of the company that I'm quite close to, and he has a track record. He's brought a 
small silver company to a level that was purchased by mid-tier some years ago. And of course, shareholders did well with that acquisition. And he told me about this idea, I think about two years ago. And I said, wow, why didn't someone else think of that? Because it really makes a lot of sense for a small operator to start in and forego the permitting, forego all that's involved with starting a mine. And we all know that to get a mine permitted and up and going is a huge capex, capital expenditure, takes tons of money. And then, of course, you usually have to dilute the shareholders and all that's by the wayside now. So this is a game changer for the small operator. So yeah, they go in, they start it, and let's say they did their due diligence, they drive this thing on board and they start in for, you know, and I'm not going to speak for the company, but, you know, three or four weeks go by and they're really not getting the yield that they thought that they would then they're just basically going to drive off and I'm not going to get into the contracts because I haven't even seen one with the company per se. But again, it's a split and it's agreed to on both sides. And according to the founder of this company, he's got a backlog of several companies that have got their hand up saying, me too, me too, me too, because they know they have decent projects. They don't want to do anything except raise money. And this is the most efficient, effective way to do it. Again, I'll just repeat myself. There is somebody in the newsletter industry, very well followed, very well known, been known to get a lot of exposure to companies. He does more on the uh, speculative side than I do. He will be writing this up somewhat after the Morgan Report does. And once it hits uh, his website, there'll be great attention to it, I believe. Depending on the market, I mean, I've had deals that I thought were absolutely awesome. I wrote them up and nothing really took place. And then someone else wrote them up and they took off. I've had stuff happen where I wrote it up, thought it was great. And then someone else wrote it up and still stayed stagnant. It's very hard to get one of these uh, smaller companies or any company these days to move because, again, the sentiment in this industry is so low. But again, this is like a technology innovation that's really low-tech slash high-tech. Low-tech meaning almost everything that is in this mobile mill is available off the shelf. It's just put together in sequence in in a way that makes it very, very smart way to Go for the gold. The Yellow Smart Report is sponsored by Wellgreen Platinum. Wellgreen Platinum is a Canadian mining exploration and development company focused on the active advancement of its 100% owned Wellgreen PGM and nickel project toward production. A 2015 economic assessment shows the Wellgreen project located in the Canadian Yukon to be potentially the second largest PGM producer outside Southern Africa and Russia with average annual production of over 200,000 ounces platinum, palladium, and gold, along with 128 billion pounds of nickel and copper from just 34% of the pit-constrained resource, making it possibly one of the largest in the world. Estimates show that once in production with assets near or at the surface, this low-cost producer may generate cash flow exceeding as much as $330 million per year. Situated along a major highway in a mining-friendly jurisdiction with an active market for PGMs and nickel, and with a strong management team, Wellgreen is certainly to be considered a candidate for your portfolio. Find them on the web at wellgreenplatinum.com. With near $1,100 gold, of course it's hard to get specifics. Any idea of the potential production cost with, let's say, tailings of the nature of the type that you're talking about uh, per ounce? It varies, as we both know, Ellis. There's grade and there's grade. And what I mean by that right. dumb statement is that you can have a pretty high-grade project Let's pick a number, like six grams of gold per ton, but the yield is low because there's a lot of nasties with it, or if you're doing a conventional mining operation, the strip ratio might be very high. 
or you got to move a lot of dirt or waste with it. So that's what's evaluated on the start, like you mentioned a moment ago, Ellis, where you have to do your due diligence really before you roll the mobile mill on there. But in today's world, some of the biggest miners in the world are mining a gram per ton. I'm not saying this machine could do a gram per ton. I think it's got to be somewhere in a three gram or higher. That's what my memory says. I'm not able to disclose an exact number right now because honestly, I don't recall. But it would vary. If there's something very clean at the three grams per ton, I think it would work because all those associated costs that normally go into a project, you don't have to spend them. Well, the demand's always going to be there for for gold, no matter what the market says right now on paper. I'm wondering, is this equipment proprietary or the patents? Will this be the only source of, of this type of processing available in the world? Yes, for the time being. I mean, let's be honest here. You can have a patent and not be that well protected because first of all, as I said, it's mostly off the shelf equipment that's linked together and someone can put in something different in the circuit and all of a sudden it's within the law that it's a new product and that type of thing. But I think there's enough of a head start here that this company will do quite well. And there's certainly room for competitors, obviously. There's a lot of projects out there, these small ones, that do have merit in this methodology that would never have merit in the old school way of doing mining. What's the treasury look like for this company without giving anything away here? What if they need to ramp up right away? Hopefully well. I say hopefully because I want to be honest here. They just did a raise very recently. It's enough to get the company to the next level. But like most of these type of situations, again, repeating myself in today's environment, it's difficult to raise funds, but they do have hardware. So the company's backed by a physical asset that produces gold. It looks to me from this last financing that just took place recently that they'll be in place not only is it in place and producing which we're going to go film and you know put out in a write-up and film product that we do for our premium client it'll be there for everybody to do their own due diligence on i mean i want to be very clear it's a highly speculative situation but again it's something that is new to the mining industry in so many ways. And we really like it from the aspect of, you know, I'm going to digress and go into kind of, you know, I don't want to go my life story, but I've always been kind of for the underdogs. One of the reasons probably I'm more favorable to silver than gold. But this is a situation where someone has put their heart and soul into a project and really is at their wit's end and they know what they've got. They really do have something where they can get rebooted and start their facility. Whereas without this, they'd have to wait probably for the next mining cycle to take place. So the time factor can be reduced by as much as two or three years in this particular market, right? Yeah, at least, I'd say. Depends again on the project. But, you know, I get a mine out and permitted and the pre-feasibility and the feasibility and a bankable feasibility and get the money and then start building the roads and getting the water supply and electrical. If all that's very handy and nearby, which in some cases it is, still takes years. Whereas this situation is like, do the due diligence, get the team out there, say, yeah, it looks like you have what you say you have. Again, the proof's in the pudding. Wheel this thing on, drive it on board. It's all self-contained. Start throwing stuff into the hopper and seeing what comes out the other end. And if it's good grade and saleable in the marketplace, you start making money right here, right now. Now, with that money, you can do whatever a good mining project would entail. In other words, you could ramp it up and put in a full mine, or maybe you would just go with this or whatever. But it's 
it's a situation again that gives a lot of ability for a small operator to operate and get cash flow almost immediately. Now I know your subscribers are going to be interested in it because you're hardcore subscribers as well as my followers. We look for opportunity when no one else is looking at the sector. But I'm thinking as I'm listening to this program, and you mentioned the pilot project somewhere here in the U.S. I'm thinking I'm listening to this program as a director of maybe one of the many junior mining companies that are still out there listening in, with projects in Mexico, in the, in the Yukon. And I'm thinking that I need a company saver right now. How do I get this machine? How do I learn about it? Do I have to wait for, the, for your video? I want to talk to David. I mean, there's so many points of potential excitement here. What do you say to those individuals that are listening to this broadcast right now? Well, the founder of the company, of course, is in touch and, you know, he's in Vancouver and he's pretty well known. And if there are, say, a handful or two of companies that are already aware of it, and then we'll write it up for our members. And then once that's done, then this other individual that's very popular, very well known, very outspoken, probably going to write it as well. Once that takes place, then I think it'll be pretty well spread out through the junior mining sector. So at that point, you'll have all kinds of companies that'll be raising their hands and jumping up and down and saying, me too, me too, come on my property and let's go for it. Let's do a split on the revenues based on what metal we have. And that's where they'll be more selective, really. Like you said, well, how do you determine who you're going to go for? And the answer is, well, probably whoever's going to be best of the bottom line of this company, but it'll allow the company to grow. So instead of having one mobile unit, you'll have two, three, four, and there's probably an optimum amount I don't know what that would be, especially in the doldrums where we are now, but I could feature three, four, five, I think, pretty easily. I think there's probably a sweet spot where you don't want to build too many of these. The marketplace is pretty good at determining that overall, and we'll have to wait and see. Okay, so are you going to recommend to, let's say, me, your friend and business associate, that I consider this particular company as an investment opportunity? And will you recommend it to our followers as a potential investment opportunity? And in what category would that fall into? I'm guessing it would be very speculative. Yeah, it's a highly speculative situation. So you want to bet risk capital on it. So that would be number one. Number two, realize I'm already involved on a financial level, basically at a 50% premium to where the company's selling right now. That could change. As far as what will happen to the stock price once it's better known, probably will increase, but we can't promise any of that. And I think it's something that the market needs a shot in the arm, probably the junior market more than the seniors, although everybody's suffering. And this might just be one of those catalysts, and I'm not saying it will be, I'm saying it could be, where all of a sudden there's some interest in the market again because this is such a great thing, such a great technology, if you will, for the industry at large. It will basically could ramp up the idea that, wow, this is a game changer. I mean, that's what I believe the CEO told me that my friend in the industry said about it. It's a game changer, and I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. That was my understanding. I would also go on to say that could be one of those that we've gotten skillful at or lucky. Take your whatever adjective you wish. If you go back in better days, I mean, when we started with Western Copper that became Western Silver, which became bought out by Glamis and then bought out by Gold Corp. I mean, that company was a speculative company, and rightfully so when it was Western Copper. But we watched that company grow, and as it grew and became a different company, it moved up from the speculative list to a higher listing in the Morgan Report because it had become a different company. I mean, there's 
Penasquito mine, pretty well known, and it does a pretty good bottom line for Gold Corp even today. I'm not saying this is going to happen. What I'm saying is that with risk comes reward, and high risk, a lot of these things fail, and certainly I will be truthful. We've had some really pretty awesome projects that have not worked out. I could go on and on there. I don't want to dwell and beat myself up because like others, we've lost money. But if you obey the rules and the rules being, you know, how to use the Morgan Report and you bet a little win a lot. And if the company starts actually proving itself, then you can add in more funds. That makes sense. In other words, we've always been in the belief that you are much better off putting big money into big companies. In other words, one of my earliest subscribers back in year two, three, or four never invested in a mining project in his entire life and was just very excited about the sector. And I recommended a company that's in the top tier. It was about a $14 stock. Today, it's about a $40 stock. And some of these top tiers that we've recommended have done that, that continue to up and down, but the overall trend is up. And these are usually royalty companies. Uh, We make no bones about it. We're in the analytical business. We're here to make money. And the best way to make money in this sector, and has been through good and bad times, is to look at the royalty companies. But anyway, point being is bet a little win a lot. If the company improves, you could bet more. If it improves more, you can sell off and you know, have a free ride, which you know, if you double or triple your money, you sell it off and this thing really goes and you got a core position, uh, you could do quite well. On the other hand, and I'll talk about the other hand, you know, I've been in this industry 40 years and I've seen stuff that looked great and didn't work out. Will that be the case here? I would have to say truthfully to be determined. We don't know, but we're excited enough to go down there, film everything, look at everything, talk to not the operator so much which we'll be doing but also the project owner and ask him well what do you think are you getting the yields you thought you had you know Mm. making up numbers six grams per ton and out the other end you're only yielding you know 3.5 just get both I want both sides of the story as I always try to achieve it would seem that you're probably going to follow the companies that this particular mining technology company partners with so that you can potentially profit as an investor from their bottom line as well. Possibly. I wouldn't rule that out. It just depends on you know where it goes. I mean, I have my own thoughts on how to make this company more efficient than what I would do if I were running it, but I'm not. It's different than the model that they have, and I'm not in the business of telling anybody how to run their own company. If it were me, I'd probably take some of the product, gold, and store it, it, put it on the (laughs) shelf at these prices. But, uh, you know, again, I'm not running the company. Uh, David, how do we subscribe to the Morgan Report if we haven't already done so? The best way is just go to the website themorganreport.com and the sign up features on a drop down menu we have the basic the premium which is the ones that you get the video on and then of course the mastermind I mentioned earlier well David it's always a pleasure to speak with you and in this case in person an extreme pleasure uh, thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day to uh, chat with me and I just want to say a disclaimer on here one you heard me once but I do own it two the verbal is the best of my ability as far as the numbers I gave and that type of thing I want to be clear on the idea I just want to disclaim that, again, the best of my ability, I don't want to overstate anything. I usually try very much to understate things, but nonetheless, the write-up may be somewhat different than what I verbalize here because when we put it in print, it's not a hearsay interview. I'll make certain to absolute scrutiny that we have available that all that we put in that's factually accurate will be vetted before we publish. Very good. David, thanks again for joining me today on the program. My pleasure. Thank you. 
I've been speaking with the silver guru, David Morgan. His website is themorganreport.com. Listen to the segment again on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com, or download the entire Ellis Martin Report on iTunes. The preceding segment is sponsored by Wellgreen Platinum, trading in the U.S. as WGPLF and on the TSX as WG. Located in the Yukon Territory, Canada, the Wellgreen Project has the potential to become one of the world's largest and lowest-cost open-pit producers of platinum group metals and nickel find them on the web at wellgreenplatinum.com find out a bunch more things to find out about at that guy's website ellismartinreport.com as a guy who used to walk into a brokerage firm in a perfectly manicured suit swing by the coffee pick one up sit down at my desk and start dialing for dollars over time i began to notice that there were two types of people working in that office on the phones some that were killing time and some that were making a killing and it all came down to productivity. What do you do with the time you're allotted? If you walk in, grab your coffee, hit the phones, or take care of your business, you're going to be moving forward. If you're just there killing time till lunch, well, you should find something else to do with your career. Productivity measures can come at you like well, an old-fashioned family recipe, or a bolt of lightning from the blue, or a religious epiphany. However it comes to you, You've only got so many hours in a day, so many days in a week, so many months in a year, and so many years in a life. Maybe one of the best ways to get a grip on your crazy, out-of-control life is to stop. Just stop. Give yourself 15 minutes a day and start bringing to bear what your ideal productive day would look like. Mine seems to be based around three S's all the time. You've heard them before. The first thing you do in the morning is you shit, shower, and shave. For me, the next thing is email, and that's going to get saved for later, shit canned, or stored. Okay, I promise that's the end of the beeps. As you move through the day, opportunities are coming at you left and right. Some are maintenance operations, some are progressive and moving forward, and some are dealing with tragedies of the past. So you're going to do one of three things. You're going to stand, you're going to sag, or you're going to sizzle. I recommend the latter. Sincerely, if you look at the number of hours you have in a day and how you can approach them best, where to put your exercise, where to put your email so that you can maximize your day, you're going to find yourself moving your life forward. I mean, there's a lot to do in a day and it starts the night before. Build a routine of having everything set to go in the morning so you could fly out of the house as if it were on fire and not miss a beat. Not forget a paper, not forget your keys, not forget your glasses. They're in the same place, same time, every day. A lot of you already do this, but some, <laughs> not so much. Bounce out of bed and hit your first three S's, and then reach out to shake hands with the rest of the world. In the Franklin Covey system, take your tasks and break them into A's and B's and C's. I never get C's. <laughs> They're all A's and B's. There's always a fire going somewhere. As you get into the swing of the day, you need to have certain things built into your routine to help you through the stressful periods and help you deal with the barrage of insane things that happen. Whether it's a prayer, a walk around the block is usually the best. Give yourself enough time between taskings so that you can take care of your own stress levels and your ability to deal with the next thing coming. I'm a fan of the magazine Fast Company, and every year they seem to do an issue about the most productive people. And these people have incredible schedules, starting at 6 in the morning and sometimes going around the clock till 2 in the morning. Others have a 7 or 8 o'clock start and a 6 to 7 quit time. Different people have different ways of getting to their productive routine. 
But the thing they seem to have in common is they understand what needs to be done. They go after doing it, and they use their tools to help them cope, whether it's assistance or an app on their phone or walk around the block. Now note, I said a tool, not a crutch. Some people have used drugs, alcohol, sex, any number of things to quote-unquote help them through their day, which are, they're actually taking away from their productivity. Find something that's non-destructive, positive for you, and build it into your routine so that you can cope with the meteorites that come flying at you all day long. Another critical tool to add to your bag in becoming productive it's, is, is to say no. I can't. No. Learn to say no. And you can say it in a nice way. Your project sounds extremely interesting. However, right now I don't have the resource of time to devote to it. No. <laughs> After a while, saying no gets a little easier. Just say it nicely with kindness and compassion because you'll be surprised how productive you can be when you approach the rest of the world with kindness, compassion, and an interest in their success. Your success follows right along with it, many times. But you always want to be kind because kindness and compassion are a really great way to become productive. You get more people to help you. Time management is the most critical part of being productive. Now we're coming to the end of the day and you've got to handle the things that just must be dealt with today. You're going to give some support to the things that are going to carry over to tomorrow. And then give a soothing hand to the things that didn't quite work out for the day. And settle the items that should have completed today that you're not going to mess with ever again. Now it's time to get out the door. Time to transition from work to real life. The first is slow down. You're approaching your real life. Next is socialize. Call your family. Call your friends. Let them know you survived. And the last thing in the day is sleep. Make sure you get a good night's sleep, because tomorrow you're going to go be productive again. For the Ellis Martin Report, I'm Bob Lang. Join us next time for the Ellis Martin Report. Remember, this is actually one of those paid programs where companies and individuals pay us to let you hear all about themselves. Get more of these powerful programs free on the web at ellismartinreport.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.